Radical, episode 174. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. All my new followers, everybody who's tuning in for the first time, figure out who this Shane Hazel guy is. Welcome. Uh, I am super glad you guys are here. A lot's just popping off in the news lately. Um, And I'm telling you, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. You are welcome here. Uh, Tonight is going to be a Fun night. Uh, we've got uh, the Anti-Federalist paper number 36 to talk about. Um, for these guys, it might be new. This is um, this is something I've been doing since uh, my last podcast back in um, 20, I don't know, 2018 uh, with uh, the Rebellion. And so I've, uh, I've, I've you know, I, I am a big, big fan of the Anti-Federalist. And as a big fan of them and as somebody, you know, as some guys that have shaped how I look at the the world at America and really gave me some real solace, like just, you know, it's like some empowering understanding of what these guys knew over 244 years ago. It is something that I love imparting and sharing with you guys, my passion for it, um, so that you guys can understand that, you know, where we're at in time and space with this, um, you know, this post-constitutional United States, like, where are we going from here? Like, what are we, what should we be doing? What did they get right? Um, So that when we have this moment in history right now uh, to do something different as the American empire collapses and we have a chance to be more American than we've ever been, that we don't squander this moment, that we really take a look at it and say, listen, man, we can do it so much better. Like these guys were smart. But they didn't have at their fingertips what we have now, the the technology, the information, the knowledge that's been passed down, the opportunity to have um, better money, you know, and, and, and volunteer type societies like we don't need force and coercion. You know, most of us in our, in our daily actions believe you don't need force and coercion to interact with your fellow man. Ninety nine point nine percent of you guys go out there and interact on a daily basis without hurting anybody, without taking their stuff, without murdering, raping, kidnapping, coercing, vandalizing, any of that kind of stuff. And so it tells me that as a population, we can do this. It's not going to be perfect, but it'll be much freer. It'll be much more consentful. It'll be much more peaceful. And we'll have more liberty. I mean, the, the, the aspect, the, 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 the understanding, the opportunity to grow passion and genius and lift hum, the human species across the board is, is nothing short of what we're going to be talking about. It's nothing short of what I stand for, what I talk about. So um, admin stuff, if you love this show, and you want to give it a five-star review, maybe if you've already listened to five episodes, go out there. I work awfully hard on Apple and give me a five-star review, man. I will read it here on the air. I really appreciate it. It helps with the algorithm. It also lifts me up. It helps me with all the slings and arrows to know what I'm doing good um, and what I can continue and what you'd like to see. Um, If you need to get a hold of me, Shane at Radical Pod, you can send me information there um, for speaking events and everything else, um, which are going to probably ramp up after January sometime with the uh, Libertarian Convention. And then um, also, if uh, you want to support the show, right? Make sure that uh, more and more and more of this content is happening and more of the initiatives like the Helios Initiative and this new mission, Brave, that I'll be launching here soon, um, happen and gain traction and speed and change our society for the better. 
you can go to patreon.com slash radical pod. And uh, for as little as a dollar, you can support this show. And that's a dollar for a month of shows, man. You usually get two shows per week, sometimes more now. And um, I am extremely appreciative to everybody that has. Uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. There are things that are about to happen in the studio. I've, I, like I said, I've, I've tried to just get my head around things. But let's get on to the Anti-Federalist. Number 36. Um, this is the representation and internal taxation. So this is um, Richard Henry Lee, one of the great Anti-Federalists, probably one of the best known. Um, in, in his writings, his pamphlets were uh, widely distributed and uh, reprinted in a ton of newspapers. Uh, Anti-Federalist paper 36 and 37 are excerpts from his first pamphlet. Uh, and then Anti-Federalist papers uh, 41, 42, 43, 55, 56, 57, 58, 61, 63, 69, 76, and 77 taken from a second pamphlet. I mean, Richard Henry Lee was a great man. He was a prolific writer, um, an extremely, extremely smart guy. I mean, absolutely amazing. So without further ado, Anti-Federalist paper number 36. Brief interruption in this show. I want to take a moment and uh, just say I had a little bit of a brain fart in the show. Uh, Article 1, Section 2.3 is what I was trying to recall. And for whatever reason, I kept saying Article 2. So um, ignore when I say Article 2.3. What I meant was Article 1, 2.3 of the Constitution uh, when talking about the, um, the ability to tax and how it was never meant to be a direct tax and always supposed to be uh, an excise and impost tax. So anyway, just a little clarification up front. Uh, wanted to get that out there before we got all the way through the show, but I hope you enjoy. A power to lay and collect taxes at discretion is in itself of very great importance. By means of taxes, the government may command the whole of any part subject's property. Taxes may be of various kinds, but there is a strong distinction between external and internal taxes. So as I read these for you guys, I break them down a little bit, okay? And and we talk about them as they apply now. Um, the power to lay and collect taxes can be found in Article 2, um, uh, yeah, Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution. Um, and this, when they decided on the Constitution itself, like, and don't give me, like, the anti-federalists were anti-Constitution. They thought it was a coup. For those of you guys that are new, they wanted independence the way the states were broken up um, after, you know, they they won the Revolutionary War. Like, that was, like, the, the, the War of Independence with the UK. Like, that was, you know, the British Civil War at the time. They wanted to be states. They didn't want to be centralized under even more government that was further away, right? Like, we just got done beating a king that was overseas. Like, we don't need another thing like a king here. That's the Anti-Federalists. Um, and for good reason, because whenever you layer another layer of government on top of your state and local governments, you're going to be paying for that government one way or another. It's going to centralize power. And as it does so, it's going to centralize power more and more and more like a snowball over time until you get to the point where we're here today. Um, this is a this is a big deal in terms of laying and collecting taxes, taxes in 
our movement, the libertarian movement, we say taxation is theft because if you are not in a consentful relationship with anybody, you shouldn't have to pay for something that is absolutely uh, repugnant and reprehensible to your conscience, which is also your right. Yeah. Do you think anybody else is saying that kind of stuff here in Georgia in the governor's race? Welcome, welcome, welcome to all the new people. This is the kind of stuff you're going to get. External taxes are important, strong distinctions between the external and the internal taxes. The external taxes are important duties which are laid on imported goods they may usually be collected in a few seaport towns and a few individuals they're ultimately paid by the consumer this is super important when they talk about tariffs and all that kind of thing listen the businesses don't pay taxes like you're never going to get a business that just eats it at the bottom line they're always 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 going to send the extra money that they have to pay for the tax to the government onto you, the consumer. These guys knew it. The guys that are Austrians know it. Libertarians know it. Like this is how this works. So tariffs aren't necessarily a good thing, ladies and gents. Like I know a lot of people who are, you know, Republicans or who are defecting GOP thought that tariffs were a great thing. They're not. Free trade is a great thing, a great thing, and it all balances out. There's um, some some really great books out there at the Mises Institute that are free by Rothbard and Hazlitt and Mises and and the rest of these guys who are Austrian economists, right? They're of the Austrian theory, and they they lay it out as plain as day. And that's you know when you understand that and you understand where we're at and how this taxation happens, it's super clear. It's super easy to understand. Um, he goes on. They usually collected by a few in the seaports and by individuals, though ultimately paid by the consumer. A few officers can collect them and they can be carried no higher than trade will bear or smuggling permit. Yeah. The drug war, ladies and gents, like the, the, the market won't bear, you know, that because, you know, obviously it's it's one of those things where there's still a profit to be made. So what happens? People turn to smuggling. Black markets, it, like the market exists. It's just some nonviolent markets have been criminalized for a lot of reasons, which I'm not into in this show. That in, ev- in the very nature of commerce, bounds, uh, sorry, there's a the break in there. Uh, bounds are set to them, but internal taxes as poll and land taxes, excises, duties on all written instruments etc may fix themselves on every person and species of property and community they may be carried to any lengths and in portion as they are extended numerous officers must be employed to assess them and to enforce them in the collection of that in the united in the united netherlands and I'm sorry, this is kind of a weird. In the United Netherlands, the general government has complete powers as to external taxation, but as to internal taxes. It makes requisitions on the provinces. Internal taxation, and this is more important as the country is so extensive, as many assessors and collectors of federal taxes will be above 300 miles from the seat of the federal government, as will be less. Besides, 
to lay and collect the taxes in this extensive country must require a great number of congressional ordinances immediately operating upon the body of the people. These must continually interfere with the state laws and thereby produce disorder and general dissatisfaction till the one system of laws or the other operating on the same subjects shall be abolished. Does this sound familiar? This is what's happening now. Like they've they've infested our lives with bureaucracy and and men and women in uniform with badges from places like the IRS. Alexis. These ordinances alone to say nothing of those respecting the militia, coin, commerce, federal judiciary, etc., will probably soon defeat the operations of the state laws and the governments. Boy, do we have a lot of interference from D.C. in our state laws, in our local laws, in the, I don't know, the sheriffs, the mayors, and everybody else that upholds this bureaucratic nonsense for a fiat currency? We sure do. They warned us about it 244 years ago. Should the, should the general government think it politic? As some administration, if not all, probably will to look for a support in their system of influence, the government will take every occasion to multiply laws and officers to execute them, considering these as so many necessary props for its own support. And here you go, right, to support this behemoth that they're going to grow in terms of external and internal taxation. They're going to have to have people. They're going to have to have structures. They're going to have to have infrastructure to support all this kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's like the reverse of iPencil. If you've never read iPencil, it's a great book. Read it. iPencil talks about bringing a pencil to market and what has to happen by each and every person that's involved in gathering the resources and bringing that that pencil to market. It's the same thing with a government. You know, anybody who says the government should do something, you're like, whoa, 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 wait. Do you have any understanding of the cost of what you're even talking about, especially at a federal level with a country that spans 3,000 miles from coast to coast and a couple thousand miles north and south? Do you understand what you're talking about? The immense cost associated with all of it. It's absurd. It's a waste. Not to mention, it's the most deranged group of perverts, violent, just sick, perverted people that are megalomaniacs. That's who these people are. And that's why they love power. It's going to collapse on them anyway. They can't get out of it now. That's, that's a good difference. Should the system of policy be adopted, taxes more productive than the impost duties will probably be probably be wanted to support the government and to discharge foreign demands without leaving anything for the domestic creditors. The internal sources of taxation then must be called into operation and internal tax laws and federal assessors and collectors spread over this immense country. Imagine we have IRS agents living in our neighborhoods now. We do. 
do they want to grow those by about 80,000? They that's what Joe Biden just said. Yeah, well, this is what we're doing with the spending. We're going to grow the IRS by about 80,000. For what? To keep an eye on billionaires? Bullshit. <laughs> billionaires are not going to put up with that kind of stuff. What are they going to do? They're going to send them after regular, normal, everyday people. That's that's how it is. They've invaded our lands. All these circumstances considered, it is wise, prudent, or safe to vest the powers of circumstances uh, of laying and collecting internal taxes and general government while imperfectly organized and inadequate and to trust to amending it hereafter and making it adequate to this purpose. Is it not only unsafe, but absurd to lodge power in a government before it is fitted to receive it? It is confessed that this power and representation ought to go together. Why give the power first? Why give the power to few who, when possessed of it, may have addressed enough to prevent the increase of representation? Why not keep the power and, when necessary, amend the Constitution and add to its other parts this power and a proper increase of representation at the same time? Then men who may want the power will be under strong inducements to let in the people by their representatives into the government to hold their due portion of power if a proper rep- Presentation be practical, impracticable, then we shall see this power resting in the states where it at present ought to be, and not inconsiderately given up. When I recollect how lately Congress, conventions, legislatures, and people contended in the cause of liberty and carefully weighed the importance of taxation, I can scarcely believe we are serious in proposing to vest the powers of laying and collecting internal taxes in a government so imperfectly organized for such purposes. Should the United States be taxed by a House of Representatives of 200 members, which would be about 15 members for Connecticut, 25 for Massachusetts, etc., so middle, lower classes of people can have no great share, in fact, in taxation. I am aware it is said that the representation proposed by the new constitution is sufficient, sufficiently numerous. It may be for many purposes, but to suppose that this branch is sufficient, sufficiently numerous to guard the rights of the people in the of the government in which the purse and the sword is placed seems to argue that we have forgot what the true meaning of representation is. He's saying that you guys don't have the the numbers in Congress as representatives to even begin to approach something like this. And how often do we see that? How often do we see like, hey, man, we're going to do the Green New Deal. Hey, man, we're going to do, I don't know, some other harebrained lunatic nonsense out of the government and they underestimate, you know, what they're getting into. We see it all the time. Every, I mean, literally every time we turn around and, and a lot of times when we don't even see it happen, 
Like they say, oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to do this. It's not going to cost you guys anymore. It's all tax neutral and bullshit like that. Like it is, it, they sell it, they get it in and then they say, Hey, listen, we underestimated. We got to have more money. We got to have more bodies. We got to have more infrastructure. Nonsense. That's what they do every time. And considering the practicability of having a full and equal representation of the people from all parts of the union, not only distances and different opinions, customs and views common in extensive tracts of the country are to be taken into view, but many differences peculiar to Eastern, Middle, and Southern states, these differences are not so perceivable among the members of Congress and men of general information in the states as among the men who would properly form the Democratic branch. The eastern states are very democratic and composed chiefly of moderate freeholders. They have few rich men and no slaves. The southern states are composed chiefly of rich planters and slaves, and they have few moderate freeholders. And prevailing influence in them is generally dissipated through the aristocracy. The middle states partake partly on the eastern of the eastern, partly of the southern character. I have no idea that the interests, feelings, and opinions of three or four millions of people, especially touching internal taxation, can be collected in such a house. In the nature of things nine times in ten, men of the elevated classes in the community only can be chosen. And he was only talking about three or four million. I got three or four million people here in Atlanta alone. And these guys are in charge of, you know, they're already in charge. These people have 330 plus million people in America. Think about that. The numbers game alone is nonsensible. Like he says, he goes on and says, I am, I am sensible also that it is said that Congress will not attempt to lay and collect internal taxes that it is necessary for them to have the power, though it cannot proper, probably be exercised. I admit that it is not probable and that any prudent Congress will attempt to lay and collect internal taxes, especially direct taxes. But this only proves that the power would be improperly lodged in Congress and that it might be abused by imprudent and designing men. Oh, enter the 17th Amendment, ladies and gents. What do they mean b- between direct and indirect? Direct tax is just a uh, a different word for income tax. Like, what can we, what can we police the people for for making? Like, how much money are they making, and can we directly tax it? The the framers, the anti federalists especially, stood wholly wholly in opposition to. Uh, to direct taxation, they really in, internal taxation of the United States. They 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 put it into Article Two, Section Three, I believe, um, that they were only to, supposed to have an excise on imports. That's it, man. That's all that they were ever supposed to do through the Constitution. That obviously um, grew and grew and grew to the state we are now where every man and woman and possibly even child that earns an income spends more on taxes than they do on food, clothing, energy, and their home mortgage or rent combined in a year. Let that sink in. 
I admit, admit that it is not probable that any proof Congress will attempt to weigh and collect taxes internally, especially direct taxes, but this only proves that the power would be improperly charged in Congress and that it might be abused by the imprudent designing it. I have heard several gentlemen get get rid of objections to this part of the Constitution. Attempt to construe the powers relative to direct taxes as those who object to it would have them. As to these, it is said that Congress will only have power to make requisitions, leaving it to the states to lay and collect them. Oh, boy, what a slippery slope that could be. Let's put the the states and the local uh, sheriffs and, and places like that in charge of uh, collecting money for a central bank. What could go wrong? I see but very little color for the, this construction. And the attempt only proves that this part of the plan cannot be defended. By this plan, there can be no doubt but the powers of Congress will be complete as to all kinds of taxes, whatever. Further, as to internal taxes, the state governments will have concurrent powers with the general government, and both may tax the same objects in the same year. The objection that the general government may suspend a state tax as a necessary measure for promoting the collection of a federal tax is not without foundation. A federal farmer, which was Richard Henry Lee. How better would you be if you got to keep all your money and really only put it towards things that you consented to, ideas that you wanted to see flourish, whatever. How much better would the world be if there wasn't force and coercion in your local areas taking advantage of peaceful people at gunpoint. How much better would the world be if megalomaniacs, the perverts, the murderers, the thieves, the kidnappers, the people who destroy markets were defunded Ladies and gents, they were talking about this a long time ago. Thank God they wrote reams and reams and reams down for us to see. And we've got an opportunity in front of us like no other time in history to do something absolutely amazing, to free people, to free our our communities, our states from these tyrants at the federal level. I'm hoping to be that guy that can help you do that. Whether it's as governor or as the, 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 the guy that's running around with the Helios initiative with the sheriffs and mayors saying, Hey man, maybe you shouldn't do this to peaceful people in your communities anymore. Maybe these people at the federal level that's crumbling, that can't, uh, that can't take any, any, not even a cent off the national debt in a time where America is really crushed. Maybe we can do something better than that. Maybe we can do something better than them. Maybe what we should be doing is saying, hey, you're not welcome here anymore. We don't need you. We don't want you. We definitely can't fucking afford you. 
get lost. Pound sand. We got the numbers. We've got the communities. You know your neighbors. Like we've got this in the bag if we want to do it. If we can inspire enough people to stop living in fear, be bold, take a stand, and fight not only for their own rights, life, liberty, and property, but for their neighbors, for their community. We don't have to go down in history like Rome or the Ottoman or the British. We can do this peacefully. And I guarantee you, I know that scares the hell out of people when we talk about the idea of America not being, you know, all 50 states anymore. America started off as an idea. It started off as 13 colonies. And I dare say that if we were to go 50 different ways, if not more, the decentralization that's naturally happening now would flourish. And America would look a lot more like America. Americans would feel a lot more free. They would feel a lot more in touch with their rights, a lot more, I don't know, safe from their government, from the industries, from the hopefully non-existent international banking cabal cabal that's going to fall in our lifetimes probably within the next couple of years. This is my vision. This is what I see. This is what I know is coming from people like Richard Henry Lee, the Anti-Federalist, the guys over at the Mises Institute, Rothbard, the guys that are absolutely plowing forward in the Bitcoin communities that understand all the Austrian economics and then some about what real money is. Got Like I said, golden opportunity. I am humbled that you're here. I'm humbled that you're listening. I am I'm absolutely joyous with where I find myself and in the ability to give this type of information back to a people that are yearning for it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for your time. And thank you for fighting out there. Thank you for recruiting. Thank you for giving liberty a chance. Thank you for giving this message a chance. And thank you for sharing it. I am am but your lowly, humble servant in all of this. And I, uh, I can't thank you guys enough for all that you do to perpetuate this message. So at any rate, this is uh, this is going to be a short one. I will probably get in here and do another short one this week. Um, we'll see. But um, you guys, uh, this week is also, I think, um, I think Robbie the Fire is coming in on the 9th. I'm going to try to make it down uh, to see that guy in some of his year-end comedy for 2021. Um, going to be out and about doing some um, some speeches and I'll try to make those a little more public. Um, those are those are next week. One's a veterans uh, speech over in Cartersville, and it'd be good for you guys to show up. You know, if, if that's something you want to look at, um, if you're a vet or if you're into understanding what some of the solutions are, man, come check that out. I'm uh, 
I'm going to be speaking over in Cartersville, I think at the VA, um, uh, to, to a bunch of vets uh, for a project that I was invited to come speak at. So uh, that's the 15th, I believe it's at 6, 7. I'll, I'll, I'll make a, a new announcement uh, when next show. But at any rate, thanks again, guys. Uh, until next time, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take your stuff.